Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes but you got to do the basics, like learn how to breathe, learn how to brace, learn how to stay stacked, learn, have movement flows for like neck pain, back pain, hip pain, shoulder pain that you do on your off days. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with a click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. All right. Today on The Less Stressed Life, I have Dr. Emily Kybert, who is a chiropractor with a practice in both New York City and Boulder, Colorado. She's a mama to Elvis and Brooklyn. We're going to talk about that name. That's great. She was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2016 and put herself into remission with changes in diet, lifestyle changes, identifying root causes, and changing how she was exercising. She now helps women do the same with her online program, Thyroid Strong, helping women learn how to work out without burnout. She's been featured in Vogue, Elle, Women's Health, (laughs) Fortune Magazine, and Vice for her expertise in posture, ergonomics, and Hashimoto's background. Welcome, Dr. Kybert. 
Thank you so much. So let's start with the stories. We always like the stories. It helps us like you better, right? And oh. also, I, I mean, I don't know what's not going to be like with a kid named Elvis. And um, <laughs> I'd really like to know why you named your child Elvis. I think it's fantastic and wonderful, but also like would make me giggle all the time. So let's talk about that and tell me how you ended up with a practice in New York City and Boulder. Real quick, just like pre-interview details that are not important, but I'm a curious person. And then yeah. I want to talk about the story. And hey, your story is partially mom. And I'm guessing there's a reason you were practicing both places. Very different vibes in these places as well. Guessing that yep. has something to do with I'm guessing your healing journey has something to do with this. Totally. Where should we start? Should we start with Elvis or by coastal? Yeah, start. Life? Let's start with Elvis. Where did Elvis is really the impetus for my autoimmune condition. Thank you, Elvis. I <laughs> just yeah. love you for this. I love you for it. So I've been a chiropractor since 2007. I had a practice in New York City, right at 57th and 6th in the middle of Manhattan. Mm. Solo practice up to built a team of eight, and it was very multidisciplinary. It was other chiropractors, massage therapists, a trainer, podiatrist, acupuncture, and then a physiatrist who was doing PRP injections. Mm-hmm. And very progressive. Really. And, and then we would refer out to functional medicine docs to mm-hmm. heal that piece. And so not that we wanted to be like a one-stop shop, but you know, you learn something and you implement mm-hmm. and it gets a certain percentage of people better. You're like, but I want to get more people better. So then you mm-hmm. integrate another piece of tool or knowledge or training. And it was really, it was a beautiful clinic. I built it out. We had a whole like corporate wellness division where we go in and do ergonomic assessments mm-hmm. and nutrition talks and stress management, but it's really mm-hmm. like how to leverage your stress to your advantage. And then there was the online piece. And when I had Elvis in 2016, as you can imagine, my candle was burning at both ends towards mm-hmm. the middle, just totally burning myself out. And, you know, all the new mom symptoms, hairs falling out, can't lose the baby weight, exhausted. All my girlfriends were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just had a baby. That's normal. 18 months later, my kid's one and a half, like running around. I'm like, I am all the same symptoms. Like this cannot be my life. Like this is, you know, I also had some histamine symptoms, probably mast cell activation symptoms, like eczema around my mouth and my hand had to kill a couple of parasites for that to go away. Mm-hmm. And Saw the conventional medicine route. So primary care, endo, saw multiple mm-hmm. functional medicine docs in New York. Was put on protocols, wasn't given a very clear diagnosis. And then I met my current functional medicine doc, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And you know, she took a barrage of blood work and she's like, has anyone else checked more than just your TSH? And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Just make me feel better. And you know, she's like, you have Hashimoto's, you have an autoimmune condition. It's great that we're picking it up early because we're going to do all the things to try and put it into remission. And that's what we did. So changing up. You know, when I was pregnant, I was pounding coffee and croissants probably to get me through that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have fried chicken and an Arnold Palmer at night. And that I was like, you know what? It's first time pregnant. I don't know how this is supposed to go down, but I'm just going to eat and, you know, mm-hmm. gain 45 pounds and, you know, mm-hmm. all good. So we started to work on changing food, lifestyle changes, uh, was living in a house in a condo with water damage and stachybotrys, mm. some parasites from some third world travel when I was in my 20s to India and Nepal, just different protocols. And probably nine months into that journey, started to feel better, which I know a lot of women are like, nine months. Like that was you know, a long time. A long time, but like just the tip of the iceberg. And one of the things that I think a lot of moms do is they're like, this body post baby, like, what is this body? <laughs> this is not my body. And they desire that pre baby body. Mm -hmm. So I was like a lot of New Yorkers doing the double soul cycle, 
So 90 minutes of spinning, or I would literally go to soul cycle and I'd walk across the street and go to a Barry's boot camp. Mm. So, you know, 45 minutes of spinning, 45 minutes of hit training. And just like, you know, I'm already burning my candle at both mm. ends, working 12 hour days, not seeing my kid breastfeeding in the middle of the night and trying to work out to lose the baby weight. And mm. I had a trainer and he's like, dude, you are doing this. Like you are exhausted and you look terrible. Why don't we do it better? And he had been a kettlebell trainer, Matt Semrick for 22 years, very knowledgeable injuries, you know, train for longevity, not to like kill it right now. And he's like, we're going to dial it back and we're going to do the basics. We're going to do the basics consistently. We're going to lift heavier. And the whole goal is to get you like to feed your muscle, to get you a workout and to not have you dragging ass all day, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was in my clinic for a long time and we collaborated on every single patient. And that was kind of like the birth of my fourth baby, which was (laughs) thyroid strong, (laughs) which is a program to help women work out without the burnout. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing so many little pieces of that. And I think you quickly, but nicely went through a bit of your treatment pie that had to be thought of for Hashimoto's because it's like, we're going to talk about one area of it that was a really big deal for you and honestly for others, but there were many other pieces that you've already handled. This is just the consistent, how do I do this for the, like you said, train for the longevity yeah, and not just in the short term. And that's a thing. It's like, you know, sometimes we complain about the way medicine is that it's such a quick fix, but we kind of feed into it. You know, like we're just humans. I never blame us for being humans. I'm like, we're just humans. So we just want really quick fixes too. We're like, oh, well, so what? I just had a baby. (laughs) I would like to be better right now. Yeah. And it's like, you get into it and we have a very toxic history of like, exercise more, eat less. And someone just said it on the podcast the other day and I didn't correct her. I was like, well, maybe. But you know, that's the thing. It's like with what you were doing, it have been hard to nourish through that. I wonder if you felt like just exhausted. I felt uh, like a zombie, but yeah. I told myself, this is how you're supposed to feel as a new mom, because as a new mom, you don't know, like mm-hmm. everything's so new. You're like, is this normal? Am I supposed to feel this way? I don't know. And so I was just like, this is how it is as a new mom. Mm-hmm. Like that norm is now my new norm until it, right. like, I can't do this anymore. Right. This it's a new life. It's a new norm that you've been perpetuating for long enough where it's like becomes, you didn't realize that it, it grew over time Yeah, because that it became the, the yeah. norm. And to go back to Elvis. So my husband's mm-hmm. a big Elvis fan. His dad was a big Elvis fan. He has like old records and I had a home birth. And when you have a home birth, you have a week to name your kid. Like mm-hmm. You can't like, you know, at the hospital, you have to like name them before you leave to send in the birth certificate. So it's like day three postpartum of pushing this eight pound mass out. And my husband's like, we have to name it. And we were literally pulling names out of the hat and like trying it on and seeing his reaction, like <laughs> two days old. And, you know, Reed and Elvis were two of the potential names. And my husband was getting very anxious that he didn't have a name by day three of birth. And I was like, just leave me alone. I'm trying to heal. I'm like terrified to, you know, have a ball movement. And he goes, all right, we're just going to name him Elvis Reed Stewart. I'm like, let's just get it done. And I'm like, let's just do Reed Elvis Stewart, just in case he wants a corporate job. (laughs) This is like me in Manhattan treating all these finance guys. Just in case he wants that, let's just give him a chance. And he goes, fine. So his first name is actually Reed. His middle name's Elvis, but we've always called him Elvis. <laughs> he actually thinks he's a reincarnation of Elvis. Like when he was three years old, maybe it was like four. He's like, yeah, remember that time I was on stage and I like, I was singing to all the girls. And I was like, when he's like, 
when I was Elvis, you know, like, <laughs> and and you have dark, prominent, awesome hair. So I wonder, I just like, have have to know, does he also have dark gray hair? He does. He oh, does. that's perfect. Yeah. Thank goodness it worked out. <laughs> yeah. So that's the Elvis story. Thanks. That was so yeah. necessary for this interview. Just can't stop my curiosity. I know we need to get into how you exercise differently without autoimmune condition. Yeah. I know it's our goal is today, but tell me about you were in this busy practice in the middle of Manhattan. I can only imagine what that looked like. And I often think this when I see people, it's like, you want everything. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have this like multidisciplinary practice and we just solve almost all the problems and it's amazing, but it's like, there's a lot of stuff there. So how is it now? And why do you have a practice in Boulder? It was a beast with very high overhead. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing people, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like the overhead doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's only a percentage of what you're making, but good old COVID came around. And I remember Mm -hmm. shutting my doors in March and I was like, we're going to open back up in two weeks. It's not Mm -hmm. if, but when. And June, I had a step back beginning of May. I had started to see patients again because I was Mm -hmm. like, rent's not going to pay itself. Mm -hmm. And my landlord was not giving a rent relief. He was Mm -hmm. giving a deferment Mm -hmm. with interest was in the negotiations. And it wasn't good for anybody. No, I was seeing like 10% of what I was seeing in May. Mm -hmm. End of June, 10%. No one was getting on a subway. No one was getting in a taxi. Everyone had fled the city. There's a statistic in the New York Times that the foot traffic in August of 2020, so six months, what in Midtown, which is where the practice was, was down 96% six months wow. later. Like a drive that would take me an hour took me 15 minutes. I have videos of the Black Lives Matter marches going down Sixth Avenue because there were no cars driving up it in June of 2020. So COVID decimated the practice. I closed my doors. I cried many, many tears, still do. And nothing was holding us in New York. You know, we had a condo in Brooklyn. My husband worked from home. Our condo had this perpetual water leak that we could just not find the source of. And we kept mm-hmm. coming up with stachybotrys on our mold test after we mediated and before. And the condo was on a super fun site, like a block away from a super fun site in Brooklyn. And I was like, nothing's holding us here. And if they lock down all the parks, because they literally chained the parks closed and I was playing soccer on a rooftop with my, I was like, if they do that another winter, I might throw myself off our condo rooftop because this is like insane. So we started to explore where else to live. And I was like, I want somewhere sunny. I want somewhere dry where there's potentially less mold. So the things that came up were Boulder. Austin was in there, but it's, I'm like, a, I would die in the winter or in the summertime. It just mm-hmm. like a little puppy and then San Diego. And we chose Boulder, Colorado. And all through the pandemic, I would fly back and forth every other week to see patients. And, you know, it went from every other week to once a month to six weeks. We were just in New York for the summertime and saw patients every other week again. And, you know, I practice in Boulder, seeing patients from a chiropractic movement strength perspective also some gait analysis. And you know that's what I do in New York. Do I have the physical space that's multidisciplinary? No. Do I miss it like every single day? Yes. Is Boulder better for my kids' health and my health and my nervous system? Yes. So, you know, just kind of going back to that, like, you know, new moms want it all. They want their baby body back. I think as entrepreneurial women, like I want Boulder and I want New York. So right now I make it work. It's not forever. 
Yeah, that's interesting. It was a recent change. Yeah. And they each fill the soul in different ways. So it's funny because when people come in Boulder, like, oh, you came from New York. Like, do you just love it here? And I'm like, I actually really love the energy of New York, but I like Boulder and it's growing on me. So Mm, I have someone to introduce you to later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Another New Yorker who's got all the love for that. That's fun. Very cool. Okay. So we talked about this diagnosis and how it took you a few practitioners to get to this point because everyone else thinks that someone before you surely should have checked your thyroid. But unfortunately, it's not that simple. It's like, did you check your thyroid? Oh, did you check more than TSH and a reflex for T4? And that's the challenge. For some reason, I have no idea why. We don't check antibodies. I don't know. They charge a lot to the insurance company. I It's $5 to me, <laughs> but I don't really get it. So anyway, so then you have this great guy, this uh, trainer, kettlebell trainer, I think is how you referenced him. I think his name was Matt. Didn't write his name. All right, great. We got Matt kettlebell guy. He's got a lot of experience and he looks at you and he's like, this is not okay. Like Like, what you were doing is not working for you. So I want to talk about that. Like, let's talk about it from your professional hat and then, or personal hat, maybe personal hat first. Maybe let's start with like, Matt's like, this isn't working. We're going to change this. And you lightly talked about that. Let's like clearly tell me what you did differently. Because before you're doing cardio, cardio, hit. Okay, cardio, 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 essentially. Like lots of cardio. And burning the candle at both ends, aka dumping all the minerals, killing the cells in your adrenals, etc. And I have never seen... So just for context that you know, but maybe listeners don't know, very likely to have a thyroid issue during pregnancy and postpartum. I don't know what the increased stats are, but we've got episodes about it, <laughs> where you need more nutrients for your thyroid during pregnancy and postpartum. It's easy to have happen. And then it's kind of like a perfect storm of, I am managing this stress XYZ way. And now it's like too much. And you had stuff, you know, the history was there. It was just like you needed a straw to break the camel's back type situation. So nothing about this is a surprise, except for any woman, it's a surprise until you get the actual diagnosis, or it's still like, you're still getting gaslighted to like, oh, I'm, you know, just tired because I'm a mom, which I'm like, that's just not, We can we just not make that normal anymore? Like, can we just have energy <laughs> at some yeah. point, <laughs> at some point postpartum? So now we're standing here with Matt, the kettlebell guy, and he's like, this is not working for you. Let's talk about what you did differently at that time, like just tactically. And then let's back up and talk about it from the professional hat status on how you need to work out a bit differently with an autoimmune condition. Yeah. It was a little bit of the conversation with Matt. It was also like Gabrielle Lyon, my functional medicine doc mm-hmm. is all about like you lift heavy shit and that's what you do. So it was also a little bit from her in terms of just putting that message in my head. So, you know, I dialed back all that cardio and hit. So he's like, listen, you're going like four or five days a week to soul cycle, do one because it fills your soul. <laughs> and I'm going to write you a program and it's going to be three days a week. If you don't want to do soul cycle at all, just do my program and we'll make it kettlebell based because kettlebells are very forgiving when you're learning form. I knew form, but like when you're in the fog, brain fog of Hashimoto's, you're just like, your mind is not there. So yeah, it was kettlebell based and it was functional compound movements, which are a hinge, like a deadlift, a squat, some sort of push, pull, lunge, which are very is very challenging for the Hashi ladies. And we can talk about why. Hmm carry, like you're carrying your groceries, which is very good to do in New York. You need to know how to do that without like (laughs) killing, without being like a crazy bag lady and killing your shoulders. And then some sort of like controlling rotation. So we call that anti-rotation. So we just build a program. It was like nothing over six reps, but I was picking up heavier weight. And 
he would give me a long enough rest break to bring my heart rate down. So I wasn't gasping for wind. Like when I was at Barry's boot camp and they're like, transition off the treadmill and go to the floor. And now we're going to do 50 squats for the next two minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it was just really basic. And any good trainer will know it's a good written program. And we do the basics consistently. The general population, I think we need to think it looks sexy and challenging and something mm-hmm. needs to be like swinging around our head and mm-hmm. transition to that. And actually he would like train me in the morning before we would start clinic. and. I felt so much better. I was also doing all the things, the functional medicine pieces, but you know, for me, it wasn't so much like I need to lose weight, even though that was probably in the subconscious, like lose the baby weight. It was like, I just need to not feel like I'm dragging all day, especially seeing patients all day and then trying to see my kid at night. So that was the dialogue. And from a professional clinical perspective, you know, I'm seeing those women who are doing the double soul cycles and seeing them over years, like their body composition is not changing Mm. and watching them actually waste away. Or like, especially if they're in their fifties, like their skin is starting to sag, but they don't want to touch the weight. So I saw a lot of different, you know, I saw some Pilates instructors with pelvic prolapse and diastasis and wondering, okay, there seems to be some tendencies that are coming up. And how can I do this better, not only for my own body, but also for the patients that I was treating? Mm. There's a lot there. My first thought was when Matt says, this is what we're going to do three days per week, six reps, do it right, do it consistently. That was like a version of relaxation for a person who was like going 90 miles per hour. Yes. But yet still moving and not just being like, we'll just sit. Okay. I'm not going to do yeah. that, Matt. Like, that's I still like, like to do things. That's like a child's pose for, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> for someone who's doing double cell cycles. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like a child. So I'd love it. Yeah. So there's so many pieces there and you felt a lot better. And I actually, the first thing I want to know, because I'm kind of using this in context of your story, of course, is you've talked about the rest of the treatment pie and taking nine months to change, but then you just talked about, you started doing this workout and you felt a lot better. And at first you were quite motivated to change your body, like working, you were really working against your body, right? Like you were working against it. And then now you went to working with it. And I think that's just a simple way to say like a different way to look at it. And that's what it sounds like. So what month in your journey did Matt write you this program and you started doing that? Probably six months in. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So we're feeling better at that point. We're not like crazy exhausted zombie stuff. So we've got some things that are actually happening. So you brought up so many things about body composition not changing when people are doing all of this, like how we perceive a workout to be. Like it must make me out of breath and all these things. And it's probably honestly, I think this might be where like, I wonder if this is where some aversion to exercise comes from. And I just am wondering even for myself, because like I did not grow up with fitness I really embraced it in the last 10 years and still feel like I've got a lifetime to go. Like, and I've changed my uh, comprehension and integration of it. And we were just talking offline about like, yeah, I, I want it to be written a different way now and not just to be like, I don't want to just be exhausted after Barry's boot camp where he's like, drop and give me 25 lunges per minute or whatever, right? So yeah. I want to talk about body composition not changing. I want to talk about lunges being challenging for Hashimoto's. Let's start with body composition. It's a little more broad of a term, right? Why when your clients come in and they're doing all these things, is their body composition not changing? And why are women afraid of weights? Well, I think women are afraid of weights because when do we ever learn, right? Mm-hmm. 
If you went to the yeah, weight room exactly. in high school, the bros are a little intimidating. I know for college, I lived on a Stairmaster or an elliptical mm-hmm. machine. And, you know, maybe you hire a trainer, but, you know, it takes three days to be certified, to mm-hmm. like take a test and be certified. So, you know, for a trainer to be able to train an autoimmune population, I would say would be very niche mm-hmm. in terms of reps and sets and rest breaks. And, you know, I mean, it's an art to program mm-hmm. a workout mm-hmm. very specific for someone. So, you know, the fear around weight I think makes sense because we've never, it would be great if in high school they had like women's weightlifting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And yeah. So, you know, I have conversations with women, some of them it's like six weeks long and they're going back and forth and like, Oh, I'm so afraid to injure myself, which I get. But if the goal is not to never feel pain, right? Yes. We don't want to get injured. Injury is probably inevitable. And if you're not feeling like, if you're not pushing yourself hard enough, you're not going to get changes in the muscle. So for me, the goal is for my women, the goal is not to never feel pain or muscle soreness. Yes, we don't want like, you know, sciatica, numbness, tingling, stabbing pain. We don't want that. And I'm going to give you the form on how not to experience that. But you should feel like you challenge yourself. And I don't know from a societal perspective if that is a commonly accepted mindset. You know, we can Mm -hmm. get any food any time of year. Right. You know, we're a little soft in that aspect of like day to day is not that channel. We're not like, you know, hiking three miles to get our water out of a well, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think there's a fear because from a day to day perspective, we're not challenging ourselves. I know that's scary for Hashi ladies because they're scared of like pushing themselves into a flare up or experiencing symptoms worse if they overdo it. In terms of body composition, I think a lot of women fear getting bulky, lifting weights. And I just had someone drop in the Facebook group, like, it's not about the number on the scale. Like she was taking measurements every week and she was noticing her pants were fitting better. Her measurements were changing and, you know, the number on the scale was going up because she was building more muscle and muscle Mm -hmm. weighs more than fat. So I think, you know, I like to frame working out and, you know, a lot of women with Hashimoto's really focus on weight loss. Instead of focusing on like, let's lose the fat, which can be kind of a downward spiral and a very Mm -hmm. negative shaming, blaming spiral. Like, let's just focus on our muscle, like building up our muscle, right? Our metabolic engine, disposal for excess glucose will help change our body composition, will help contribute to longevity. Like the more muscle we have, if we get sick in the ICU, it's like the only determinant with whether we're going to get out of the ICU. So Mm Let's focus on the muscle tissue, feeding it with resistance training, feeding it with optimal protein. And you say body composition. Women are like, I don't know what that means. It's like, okay, do your pants fit better? Because you're shifting the ratio of percentage of body fat to muscle composition. So that's how I like to frame working out because I feel it's empowering versus, oh, I got to like lose this love handle. It's like so Mm -hmm. shaming, you know? Right. Yeah. I like framing it from that's my like new set of frame is empowering versus disempowering, right? People yeah. use different versions of that, but if it's not fitting under the empowering version, it's not not a good fit. You brought something up, you know, women are afraid of you with autoimmunity causing a flare from overdoing it. Has that ever happened to you? Because this started in 2016. So there's a lot of opportunity there for and then big stressors a couple of years ago. Yeah. I have definitely been in a flare up where I work out immediately need to take a nap and I'm dragging for like the next three days, joint pain, brain foggy, 
mm-hmm. all those symptoms have come up. What do you do with that? I mean, you recognized it. That's what you first did. Yeah. What did you do? I, well, I texted my functional medicine back <laughs> and uh, I prioritized the foundational basics. I was also like not sleeping and Netflix binging and mourning the closing of my first baby, my mm-hmm. clinic in New York. So mm-hmm. that was probably part of it. But, you know, so I usually resistance train three to four days a week. And then on my quote unquote off days, I do movement reset patterns for about 15, 20 minutes. Like I just kind of like being in my body and trying different things. I like to, I like to encourage women to like stay curious, mm-hmm. especially in their body and in their healing journey. So I'll do these movement patterns that are similar to how we learned our movement patterns as babies and usually with a kettlebell, but it's not like trying to be creating progressive overload. And then the other thing I do is I try to hit my 10,000 steps a day. So when I overdo it, I try to rein it in and kind of go back to the basics. Mm. Okay. You stay curious. I stay you go curious. back to, you go back to walking because mm-hmm. being active is basically part of your life. I'm guessing it's part of how you kind of went into Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to promote health as a chiropractor and like living with joint, like chronic joint pain kind of isn't Mm -hmm. an option as a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think moving, you know, it's like walk your talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. No one wants to, you know, like visit a sickly functional medicine doc with bags under their eyes, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, I like how you said this. You're like, I do these movements similar to patterns we learned as babies. Interesting. And then walking. I actually want you to define progressive overload because I think we're going to have to go back to some basics on like, hey, we don't know what you're talking. I've heard of this term, um, but let's go ahead and define that. I mean, if we break it down really simple, it's if you did the same workout, with the same amount of weight, right? There's going to be a point where you've created muscle tissue and your body is not going to respond to the stimulus. Mm -hmm. So you need to either increase the reps, increase the weight, or really at the end of the day, increase the volume so that the stimulus to the muscle is more and it's challenging. Awesome. So you brought up lunges being challenging for Hashimoto's. And then just in general, that may bring us to changes in the body with autoimmunity that are not the same for everybody else. So let's talk about big umbrella. I think that's yeah. most so important. So lunges, lunges and squats. So there's certain um, injuries that in clinical practice, I notice women are like, like, I just, <laughs> please don't program squats and lunges. <laughs> and <laughs> there is a slower tendon turnover. So all of our tissue is regenerating and replenishing. Typically with a hypoactive thyroid, it is a slower process because we need thyroid hormone for every metabolic process in the body. And that tendon, that infrapatellar tendon that goes from your quad around the kneecap and starts into your lower leg gets super cranky, especially if we've been sitting all day, sedentary is like a desk jockey. So you know, the pressure in the knee increases exponentially, for example, in a squat or a lunge, once your seat drops below your knees. And I've had women come and be like, I don't want to get on the floor with my grandkids or my kids because I'm afraid I won't get back up because my knees hurt so bad. So I avoid it. It's like you avoid playing with your kids is basically mm-hmm. what you're saying. Or grandkids really is more the narrative that I've mm-hmm. heard. And so I was like, okay, well, let's train it in a slow, controlled movement so that when you do it on the subconscious and it's body weight, like getting off the floor after playing with your grandkids, 
You don't even have to think about it. There is a subconscious motor control, like muscle memory of that movement. And then let's, once you own the form, let's add weight because you heal the tendons by loading them. And we're going to give you long rest breaks in between your sets. So you don't feel like you're getting, you're giving yourself an overuse injury when you're lifting. And if you're doing kind of like the boutique fitness in New York, you know, you get a rest break at like the 50 minutes after class. Professional lifters give themselves a one to three to five minute rest break in between their sets. You know, when you actually experience that, you're like, do, do, do. You're like, walk around, you know, you're, you take a walk, you shake it out. You're like, oh my God, that was only 10 seconds. Like a long rest break is much longer than mm-hmm. <laughs> what we perceive, mm-hmm. but it's important. So, that's what I do for the knees. And it's maybe squat to a chair, body weight. Now squat, holding a kettlebell at your chest to the chair. So your, your seat is not going below your knees. For a lunge, you know, a lot of people cue, okay, tap your back knee down, chest up. If you do that, you will be lunging with a big sway back, like a banana back in your low back. And you are now giving yourself no core pressurization, less spinal stability. You're giving yourself an extension compression compensation in your low back. So IQ, like lean a little bit forward, not rounded, but a little bit forward so that your ribs stay over your pelvis and you're stacked and you're giving yourself optimal pressurization in your core and optimal spinal stability. I feel like we needed this to be a visual podcast. I know. I Like we need like a little like, core diagram thing. I know. <laughs> you brought up form a bit ago. And we talked about, you know, the injury can happen. And obviously form is the, I think the, the answer to trying to prevent injury, but it's, we slip out of that sometimes. So we just talked about the lunges and et cetera. And I know I want to talk about form a little bit. And I think you, you mostly, that was a bit of a form conversation, but you said from an autoimmune perspective with working out, there's changes with the tissue. And so you should be picking up a weight versus yoga. So maybe let's talk about that. Yeah. So you know, I was looking at the autoimmune women coming into my clinic with co-treating them with functional medicine doctors. And the things that were coming up were low muscle mass, right? Low muscle tone, slow, deep tendon reflexes, which were all hypothyroid component, kind of like a skinny, fat look, appearance. And then you start to take them through a movement screen. So what is moving too much? What is not moving enough? Most practitioners focus on what's not moving enough, like what's tight, stiff, but what is moving too much, like elements of hypermobility, tissue laxity, ligamentous laxity was coming up. And there's a test to do, it's called a Baton score, where you check 10 points in the body and if there is joint laxity to a certain aspect, then you go refer out Erler Danlos for like a genetic hypermobility. Mm-hmm. And I like movement. So I like to check what's moving too much, what's not moving enough. It's good to direct where your treatment is because you don't want to just like massage a muscle that's weak and tight, but not firing. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or that's surrounding a hypermobile joint. Like you go and release that, you're going to make someone feel like they can't walk. So I was checking all my Hashi women for this. I was like, wow, like they have all these Baton score signs. So knees hyperextending back behind the ankles, the elbow hyperextending, the thumb able to push down towards a soft part of their forearm, pinky being able to hyperextend backwards past 90 degrees. And then the last checkpoint is if you stand knee straight and touch the floor, you can palm the floor, which is not normal. It's like every yogi's dream, but mm-hmm. it's actually too much 
laxity, too much flexibility, especially in the hamstrings. So there's a genetic component. There's a biomechanical component where if you're a yogi, you're giving yourself, you know, overstretched hamstrings. And then I was noticing in my autoimmune population that a very high percentage had this hypermobility. And these Mm. women, because they have joint aches, muscle pains, they're like, can you just like crack my back, give me a massage and then tell me how to foam roll. And I was like, that like, yes, I know I'm a chiropractor, but what you need is to create joint integrity, you know, more muscle mass, stability. And I know like it's going to feel tight at first because we're kind of tightening everything down, but you will feel so much better. So a lot of the women, I was like, hey, no more yoga for like the next eight weeks. I felt like I was like tearing out their soul, but Oh, this is so different than usually what we talk about here, right? Right. And you like even conventional medicine and then even like my functional medicine doc friends, some of them are like the common exercise recommendation is low impact yoga, Pilates, things that are going to feed that parasympathetic aspect of your nervous system, foam rolling, stretching, you know, chair yoga, but all of those are great for the parasympathetic and there's a time and place, Mm -hmm. but none of those feed the muscle tissue. And none of that is going to help a hypermobile woman or someone who has tissue laxity. Like no amount of yoga is going to help her stabilize her joints. No amount of chaturangas is going to help put muscle mass on to kind of stoke her metabolic engine. So I was like, listen, let's take out the yoga if you want to do it in eight weeks, but like, let's try resistance training. And we're going to work up to three times a week. We're going to do kettlebells because you can kind of like mess up your form a little bit and not totally tweak your back. Whereas like barbell deadlifting, like you don't get that spot on. You can throw out your back very easily or give yourself a mm. disc herniation. And like dumbbells are kind of like bounce around on the legs and stuff. And you can use the offset weight of a kettlebell to stimulate those, going back to those movements we did as babies, stimulate certain parts of the body to stabilize properly, if that mm. makes sense. So I'll just give you an example of that. Please. You go to physical therapy and they go, oh, you need to have better posture. Pinch your shoulder blades together. And you're like, yeah, I can do that for like five seconds and then I'm exhausted. All right. They're like, lift your chest, squeeze your shoulder blades. Oh, we got to work on that. You know, you're going to do three sets of 15 every day, twice a day. You never see a baby as they start to get upright, like learning to stand and walk, squeeze their shoulder blades together for, right? Because they're getting upright Mm -hmm. to pot, to, get their eyes on the horizon. You see a baby get long through their neck, soft chin, eyes on the horizon, and their shoulder blades actually kind of go down and wide and are flush to the ribs. They're not pinching and squeezing and overactivating your rhomboids. So if when we learned our neurodevelopmental milestone at 10 months to come up to stand, why would we cue it in a way that's pathological as an adult. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I feel like this is the first time I've ever heard any of these concepts. <laughs> okay, so this, let me give you like the backstory. So this comes out of the Czech Republic called the Prague School. It was started by Pavel Kolaj. They literally look at babies and how they move. Mm. And, you know, Yanda was there. He's a very famous name in the movement world. And, you know, 30% of kids don't hit their milestones. Like they don't develop properly. So for example, there's a certain point where a baby should disassociate the eyes from the head. So if you go, okay, follow my finger, Mm -hmm. a baby will first use their whole head and their eyes. And then at a certain age, a certain milestone, they can move their eyes, but not their head. 
If you have a four-year-old who can't disassociate, is like moving their head and their eyes to track something, that kid, when they're reading, is going to be doing that and is going to have a really hard time reading, right? So that's an example of who would go to the Prague school to rehab something like that. But you can take those movement patterns and apply them to lifting. For example, when a baby fatigues, they go into an extension pattern. When a CrossFitter fatigues doing muscle ups, like let's say they do the first 10 and they're like stacked, like their ribs are right over their pelvis and they're creating good intra-abdominal pressure, but oh, they start to fatigue by, you know, CrossFit's like rep 40, 45. That CrossFitter will go into an extension pattern, which is a primitive reflex strategy. So when you fatigue, when you're weightlifting, you'll notice on a squat, someone coming out of the hole will drive up into extension, like will drive their hips and their chest will go forward. And then they're like, that's when everything should lift together. That's you're literally triggering a primitive reflex, a pathological stabilization strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just I'm glad you gave us the context of where it came from because I'm like sorry, sorry that no, it's great goal for the audience. No, that's good. <laughs> I think like someone's listening to this and they say, "Oh, okay, I was doing a bunch of cardio. It's not serving me. I want to exercise the right way. I feel like Dr. Kybert, this feels really specific and nuanced." And my trainer doesn't know anything about this, (laughs) doesn't know how to help me exercise for autoimmunity. Where does someone start? Like trying to, because we brought this up earlier. Where did you learn how to lift weights? Nowhere, nowhere. And the injuries ensued. Right. So the first thing I teach every single woman is how to engage their core. Like how many times you've been in a fitness class and they're like, engage your core. You're like, what are you talking about? How do I do that? You know? <laughs> You're like, okay, am I doing it now? How about now? How about now? So it starts with the breath, right? So if we're doing superficial, shallow breaths, a sympathetic breath, the diaphragm is not going to be pushing down on the contents. We're not going to be getting intra-abdominal pressure. So I teach every woman to breathe down and wide. So to the fronts of the inside of the hips, wide and into the low back, which actually pushes the spine out of extension. So you're creating this like little tank of strength in your tummy. So we learn how to breathe. Then we learn how to brace. So if the listeners put their hands, like if they feel the tops of their hips, the tops of their iliac crests, and they put their hands in the soft part, if you take a breath in, you should feel your hands expand forward, wide, and into the back. So you take a breath in. Okay. And now you're going to just let out an exhale and you'll feel your tummy go back to soft, right? Well, you don't want to do that when you pick up a weight, you'll blow your back out. So you take a breath in. Okay. And now this is going to be audible. You're going to go. Okay. So what did you feel in your hands? You should feel your, like a little pew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is bracing your core. Mm. That's what should happen. So when trainers are like, suck your belly and pick up that weight, that's not what should happen. Like that's a Pilates cue. So suck your belly in, pull your belly to your spine. That's a pathological cue that you're literally training someone to not move their body properly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like how that 30% of babies don't develop properly. So that brace, what you felt when you went on the exhale should match the load. So if you're going to pick up a pen, you're not going to do that, right? You might just like 
Mm-hmm. If you're picking up double body weight deadlift, you need it to be like really braced. Mm-hmm. So we teach them how to brace because most women are sucking their bellies in, which will put them into that extension and then compress the joints. And then they're injured. I'm like, oh my God, I just picked it up once. Why did I injure myself? Well, you didn't breathe and brace properly. And then the last piece is stacked, which is we talked about a little bit ribs over pelvis so that you're not going into that extension compression compensation. So you'll see this with like, this is more like CrossFitters. They're doing deadlifts for reps and they're starting to fatigue. And at the top of their deadlift, there's this huge arch in their back because they're driving through their hips and they're flaring their ribs. That is not stacked. That is, you need to put the weight down and (laughs) you're injuring your low back and SI joints. But I understand you're driving through your hips to get the barbell up, but like keep your ribs down so that you keep that good intra-abdominal pressure. Hmm. Core stabilization. I sure hope you teach this. I do. So this is inside thyroid strong, except I like dial it down to like super, super basic. So like, it's so funny because people join thyroid strong, my online course, and they're like, where's the workout? And I'm like, well, workout comes next Monday, next week, but you got to do the basics, like learn how to breathe, learn how to brace, learn how to stay stacked, learn, have movement flows for like neck pain, back pain, hip pain, shoulder pain that you do on your off days. You just choose one. It's Mm -hmm. called move out of pain videos. And then the week Mm -hmm. after you get workout videos and written programs. People are like, can I just love the workout? I'm like, no, like (laughs) into yourself, like just do the basics. You must walk before you can run. (laughs) Yes. Yes, totally. So this is like from my chiropractic movement brain that I usually don't talk about because no one's like, oh, I want to move like a baby. Everyone's just like, can you just give me some more energy and like have me lose weight? So I don't talk about this, but I think this is kind of what sets it apart from a Pilates program for Hashimoto's or another exercise program for Hashimoto's is getting the form dialed down properly so that you can start to pick up heavier weight without injuring yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you know, you talked about the hypermobile population and you made it seem like this is so much more prevalent than maybe I was thinking. It is. And you know, how many people are looking for it? Right. Like, you know, it's kind of like, Everyone's checking TSH, but they're not checking antibodies. It's like how many people are going underdiagnosed? You know, the hypermobile population is also walking around in a big sway back and rib flare, kind of giving a little kick to their adrenals into the sympathetic, Mm -hmm. uh, not feeling grounded because none of their joints are stable. Yeah. So there's an emotional component too. So it's so nice to use weights to ground yourself, to feel Mm -hmm. connected to the earth, to... You know, I don't know if you met like the Hashi ladies. Sometimes they're like super anxious and they're like all up here. Maybe that's yeah. perfect. Like you got like, let's bring the energy down. Yeah. And no, that's a yeah. unique concept. Weights for grounding. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like it's one thing to be like, let's put you into a child's pose and calm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's like have you do 10 heavy deadlifts and like literally like physically ground you into your joints. Yeah. Well, we covered so much. I was not expecting to today, which is all good. I'm just like, oh. Sometimes you think you know something and then you're like, I know nothing about this, <laughs> about proper exercise for autoimmunity if there's tissue laxity and hypermobility. So Dr. Emily, where can people find you online? Dr. Emily Kybird everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, believe it or not. Mm. And on my website is Thyroid Strong. And then I also have a podcast where we talk about all those things called Thyroid Strong Podcast. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. 
Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.